4: Level Up Human, the comedy science podcast, souping up the homo sapien. Hello and welcome to Level Up Human, the show that looks at the human race and tries to figure out how we can make it better. We're coming to you live from the Cambridge Science Festival at the Welcome Genome Campus. We're taking suggestions from our panel, from our audience and from the natural world to try and figure out exactly what the next stage in human evolution should be. We're putting together a to-do list for human evolution. I'm your host, Simon Watts, and today I'm joined by three sets of organs, arranged vaguely in the right order, in the form of our guests. Tonight's judge, deciding which of the ideas is worth incorporating into future generations of our species, on my immediate left, it's Sam Bins. Sam is an actress and a comedian. You can find her all over the place. She's got her own show on Hoxton Radio, and you're propping up in pretty much everything on Netflix that I've seen lately. Um, Sam, these people are going to be giving you ideas. What kind of thing are you hoping to hear tonight?
3: I want to hear something that's going to change my life.
4: You're not asking much. <laughs> no
3: pressure, guys. Um, I want to hear something that's relevant to me and my life, because I'm an actress and I, all I care about is myself. Um, no, I want I wa- what I want to hear is you selling it and owning it. I don't want any, any of this wishy-washy, oh, maybe we could do this. No, I want you to own it. I want you to know that this is going to make my life, these lovely people's lives, and the human race better.
4: Well, I'm feeling the pressure, even if you're not. (laughs) That says something. And pitching ideas to Sam, on my immediate right, we have Anne Neville. (laughs) Uh, Anne is a postdoctoral researcher here at the Sanger Institute, and you're interested in the microbes that live in the human gut and how they can be exploited to improve human health. That's what it says on the website. Why are you so clean on exploitation?
1: (laughs) Well, we think that the microbes that live in the human gut, but also in the gut of many other animals, could be really uh, very useful to us in the future. So we would like to be able to make medicines from these bacteria.
4: So perfect. Yeah. You can see why this is the kind of expert we want to hear from. You might even be able to uh, reap the harvest of microbes that we find everywhere and get ideas from them. And in her right, we have Andy Yates. Let me get this right. Andy leads the Genomic Technology Infrastructure Team. I don't know what that means.
0: No one else does. It's absolutely fine. Do, do any of you who are,
4: who are working at the campus know what it means?
0: Uh, about five of us or so, that's about it. I mean, pretty much what we're doing is we're collecting data into massive databases and we send them back out to researchers around the world. Okay. It's not too hard. Uh, how do
4: we? How do we get the? What is this data? When you say so you're collecting it, uh, so get, is
0: this basically an NSA on a one. on a bi- biological budget? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's uh, it's things like genomic annotation and genomic sequence. So we are annotating genomes like human genome, cow genomes, anything that's kind of cute. It's always good. People like cute animals, people like cute genomes. Uh,
3: Are you like the cat videos of science?
0: Yes. Ideal. You 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 could watch us all day. You (laughs) picked
4: the wrong host, because my other job is running the Ugly Animal Preservation Society. Oh, no. I I you to sequence a blobfish just for me. Some of the more aesthetically challenged creatures out there. They need their genomes meddled with as well, I think. Well, these are our panel. You can see Andy's going to bring ideas from genetics. We've also got ideas from microbes. We've got ideas coming from everywhere. But we're also going to take suggestions from our audience here at the Welcome Genome Campus. Please give everyone a round of applause. Well, um, to get us going, before we delve into the sort of hypothetical, our panel have brought along some news stories to show us what is happening in the world right now. Um, why don't we start with you, Sam? What's caught your eye in news at the moment?
3: Well, I recently discovered the very important life-changing news that elephants live on two hours sleep. Why? What you can't feel is the raised eyebrows that that just <laughs> brought on in the room. Um, in the wild, they live on two hours sleep, and they only lie down to sleep every three to four days. And uh, so they're breaking the record for the shortest amount of sleep. Before that, horses... Were well, the record winners on two hours and 35 minutes, but I think the elephant in the room here, stop it, is, is how have they tracked it? And in this article, they say they've basically tracked it with a sort of Fitbit, which I love. Just imagining all these elephants like running around in deserts or wherever they run, uh, just just with Fitbit. No wonder they never go to sleep. They have to get their 10,000 steps every day. <laughs> Me and my husband are exactly the same. Um, I, I, just, I just like the idea of ele- elephants with Fitbits. But, but imagine if we could live off only two hours sleep and if we could sleep standing up.
4: Yeah, but if you were the size of an elephant, you wouldn't bother sitting down if you knew you had to get up again.
3: <laughs> but holding all that weight up for such a long time.
4: Yeah, Maybe. I'm just imagining how big the wristband is in the Fitbit. Actually, it's kind of ridiculous.
3: Well, oh well, they, they apparently they inject it into their trunks because ah. it's a load of a big hunk of muscle.
4: Some people in the audience, (laughs) I raise my eyebrows. Then, (laughs) actually, would that be an upgrade to Fitbits? Never mind anything else. Actually, injecting them straight into us, so you can't lie and stick it on your dog or something like that. Yeah. The number of people who I know have got Fitbits, and it just means they sit there with their hand doing this fervently. (laughs) Actually, don't misinterpret that, right? (laughs) um, Yeah, great podcasting moment. Throwing the ball action. Yeah, just as many times as you can to, to fake it.
3: Innuendo in the slightest.
4: Let's move
1: um, on. <laughs> <laughs> what's caught your eye on, um, what's, what's grabbed you? Well, I found an article recently where um, it describes some scientific research that was done by researchers in California, where they used a person's own microbes, which they isolated from their skin, to treat Staphylococcus aureus, which some of you might know is the bacterium that sometimes causes various different infections. Um, so what these uh, scientists did was they swabbed the skin of... Uh, healthy people and they found that there are various strains of bacteria on the skin which can produce antimicrobials that will kill specific bacteria such as staphylococcus aureus. Um, And then they tested it in the lab to see if it was gonna gonna work Um, and eventually they put it into skin cream and showed that in people with atopic dermatitis that the probiotic skin cream would actually uh, reduce the levels of staphylococcus aureus that were found in these people. So
4: hold on, you're telling me that we're making yeah. Something a bit like an oil of some kind of... I'm trying to think of, of some generic skin cream without naming anyone in case we get <laughs> sued. And they're filling it full of microbes. Yes. And your own microbes.
1: Yes. Is it like bacteria? Yes, yeah, bacteria cre- that you find on, on uh, the skin of healthy people. So um, you're putting other people's skin on your skin?
4: No, your own, your own bacteria. No, that would be disgusting. It's your own bacteria. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. It's, it's a, right.
1: like a form
3: of a, a person. Yeah. <laughs> so you'd, like, scrape a bit of your skin
1: off, mix no, no, it with no. some so cream? You just, you just, like, rub, rub the skin, uh, recover the microbes, you take it to the lab and grow them, um, and then you would demonstrate that the, some of these microbes will produce antimicrobials, like antibiotics, huh. um, and then you can take those bacteria and put them in your skin cream.
4: So this is the equivalent well, uh, of those daft yogurts
1: <laughs>
4: for your skin. Sure. Don't stick yoghurt in your face here. This is not the, this is not the answer. For
1: uh, sure. Um, so I think, yeah, a lot of people know that there are gut microbes, uh, like obviously in the intestines, but maybe people don't always know that there are microbes on your skin too and that they also help you to stay healthy and to live a normal life.
4: Wow, useful microbes crawling yeah. all over us.
1: Is that like I'm
3: personalized cream then? Because you are so have in one this... with your own microbes.
1: Yeah, so exactly. Here, yeah. what, what these people did is they took the um, the bacteria that were present on a person's skin normally, grew them up in the lab, and then put them at a particular density into this cream, and then put the cream on the person. Um, so that it really, it is a form of personalized medicine here. So I love that. I have a necklace with my own name on it, but I definitely want cream with my own microbes
4: in it. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like the other way to get more of your own microbes is not to
1: wash, surely. Sure. Um, but that would probably not be advisable because you'd lose a lot of friends that way, I'm sure. <laughs> oh, yeah, there's always a downside to it. What's caught your eye, Andy? Well,
0: I'm going to go back in time a little bit uh, to Neanderthals. And there was a bit of research recently where they looked at the uh, dental calculus of uh, Neanderthals. Now, calculus is the um, calcified build upon your teeth, and thankfully because Neanderthals don't brush their teeth all that well, um, you can actually drill back down into it and see what they've been eating. Uh, The first bit of research said that we thought that Neanderthals were mainly meat eaters. That's not true. There's a couple uh, set from uh, northern Spain, and they were vegetarians, for one. The other thing they found is that they thought that they think that Neanderthals were actually self medicating themselves. So it's a real advert for kind of like the modern NHS as well. Um, When
4: when you say self medicating, that's in Ireland, that just means drinking.
0: (laughs) Um, So what do you you mean here? Uh, Well, they found uh, compounds that were analogues to aspirin in the teeth. And they think they got that from biting on a bit of poplar bark. So they kind of went out and thought. One little lad had a bit of a tooth abscess and went, God, my tooth hurts!" and thought the best thing you could do was have a chew on a branch. Sounds like a <laughs> drunken bet gone wrong, really. So maybe they were actually self-medicating the other way as well.
3: It makes sense. So but the bark isn't worse than the bite?
0: It's not, no. <laughs> <laughs> the other thing they were doing is that they actually found uh, little remnants of penicillin in the teeth as well. So they were actually taking antibiotics, so like mouldy pieces of grain or something, uh, if they had like gut infections and they okay. knew that that must have helped
4: well, can we tell if they knew what they were doing or is this like accidental to a degree because
3: mm. sometimes you get that bread and it's got a bit of mould on it but you don't know that. and then you only realise halfway through the sandwich
0: well yeah. they had a look at some of the other samples <laughs> and they found that uh, the penicillin didn't actually appear in the other samples from the same wow. region so it was that particular Neanderthal was specifically taking something that was helping themselves and now it leads me onto a theory that I know why Neanderthals actually died out. I mean, I'm allergic to penicillin. Yeah. And now I'm beginning to think that, you know, basically they were idiots. And they just ate penicillin and died. Yeah. That could be... Well, well, no, it's a possibility. I,
4: I, thought you were going to, I thought you were going to really angry some vegans there by saying <laughs> it's because these were the vegetarian <laughs> ones or something like that. Do you think right, they it
1: didn't
4: did
0: say angry? Right? It did not say if they're actually on a vegan diet or anything, or any particular type mm-hmm. of diet.
4: But it does say they're treating themselves uh, of yeah. drugs. Drugged up Neanderthals. I'd watch that documentary, <laughs> that'd be awesome. Well, bro, these are the kind of things that are actually happening right now, but we want to see what we want for the future. So Sam, prepare to have your socks blown off. Anne. Yes. What do you want to pitch? What would you like to see in the next stage of human evolution?
1: Well, I think it would be great if we could, as humans, consciously interpret the messages that we get from our microbes.
4: So you want us to talk the teeny-tiny things that are crawling all over us? Well, I
1: kind of want them to be able to talk to you. So, for example, um, if you're, I don't know, been following a really unhealthy diet for a little while, maybe your gut microbes, at least, would not be very happy about this. Um, So maybe they would say, hey, you know, don't go for that cheeseburger when you can have a very tasty salad instead. Or, you know, we often use microbes too, like uh, biosensors, for example. So maybe, you know, you could have your bacteria in your gut looking around and say, hey, that looks a little bit like a a tumour that maybe you should get checked out, so go to your doctor. And you could say, hey, okay, I need to go to my doctor. My bacteria told me to go there.
4: I love that your bacteria have a very conversational tone. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're friendly. Yeah, most of them are good, right? We we can't ignore the fact that then that... Well, we want to avoid talking about faecal transplants and Mm -hmm. things here, but, you know, one of the places where you find lots of microbes that have come out of you is to look at your own poo. So you're proposing being Dr. Doodoo Little, really, if you wanted to talk to it. <laughs> i don't want to talk to it (laughs) no no
1: no this is a one-way conversation from the bacteria to us i I don't
4: want my poo shouting at me that's That's like voices in your head also you don't if
3: you're gonna go for a cheeseburger you don't want someone to be like oh you probably shouldn't have that you know you've got like your mother-in-law to do that already (laughs) this is also i don't think i need to do my and but how so how would it work how would they speak to you Would they have like a tiny little cup with a string? No, I suppose it would
1: have to be... mm, Like you could have probably selective listening as a a human too, right? So you could say, okay, there are lots of messages coming from these microbes all the time, but maybe we wouldn't always listen to them just when they're important. So I'm sure that we could put some kind of hierarchy on the messages that get through. But how would it come through? Like would would you
3: hear them? Or would it be like a digital watch version?
4: (laughs) It's us, what's, what's, what's the language like here? I suppose that's the uh, question.
1: Yeah. We mentioned you yeah, yeah, mentioned yeah. Is more there. Is it like um, a tweet? Well, there's a whole lot of... <laughs> oh. <laughs> we have to of um, the new I'm name the floor, for, for who's going to be a tweet. Well, uh, the you know, microbes that live in us and on us communicate with us all the time, but it's, a lot of it is you know, with chemical messages and, and chemical products that they would make. Um, but we obviously can't interpret that. So sometimes people don't feel so well, but maybe it's because their microbe, microbial ecosystem is disturbed or whatever. But if you could understand why it was disturbed, maybe you could do something about remedying it. Um, so you know, you could follow a healthy diet. That's probably one of the easiest ways to, to go about it. But maybe uh, there are other interventions that you could go for too. And maybe the microbes could advise you on that.
3: So we need to how? learn if you could, you know, tune to speak in to the microbe.
1: Yeah, or at least interpret it like okay. Yeah, and
4: you do casually throw in there that microbes are talking to us all the time. Yeah. Um, so before we refer you for some help here, in case like, uh, we're hearing the voices in some kind of way, yeah. what do you mean that microbes are talking to us all the time?
1: Oh, so there will be a lot of signaling between the microbial community that lives on your body and the human host. So uh, the microbes do a lot of good things for us. So they help us to digest our food, for example, but they also produce lots of very useful metabolites that can promote our health and the health of the cells of the human body. Um, so many people, when they think about bacteria or microbes in general, think, oh my goodness, I need to get rid of them because they're really bad and they're really harmful and they're mm-hmm. going to cause a disease and, you know, I don't want an infection but those ones are probably quite rare, at least in most healthy people, and they would be vastly outnumbered by uh, the healthy microbial community that lives on us and in us. And in order for us to be able to live happily um, with these uh, gut microbes or skin microbes, um, we need to recognise that they're there and realise that they're non-threatening and actually possibly good for our health. Um, So there is a communication backwards and forwards. It's It's not always understood. Lots and lots of scientists all over the world would be trying to understand the different host microbiota interactions and the different signaling that goes on um so that's, that's it. i love the phrase
3: microbial community oh really it's like i like to imagine them in little huts and there's like a mayor uh. of microbial town <laughs> <laughs> too far <laughs> no why not Just no, like on the, you know if they're talking to us
4: yeah and if they are talking to us like i do have to ask because because we all have different microbes living on us. It seems sure. as we've all got our own communities, yeah. so to speak, are they going to end up having different accents? Are we going to... Uh. Are they, is just this kind of communication that you're talking about, like why... I suppose I'm asking, why is your microbiota, the, the, the community on you, different to me, different to... Why are we carrying different ecosystems? I
1: guess. Sure, Um, so the microbial community that lives on you or in you would be influenced by so many different factors, right? So it's going to be uh, influenced perhaps by your genetics but also the food that you would eat and also your environment and maybe the the people that surround you. So for example uh, if if people have a pet for example they might be able to um, get more microbes that way say from their dog or they pass them backwards and forwards between people via their dog. So I think it depends a lot on a number of different factors but everybody's microbiota in a healthy person at least should be influenced by, I should be optimal for them based on all of the parameters of their life. Um, but it's interesting because even though all of our microbiotas are likely to be different in composition, broadly speaking I guess the same type of bacteria would be found in most people if they're healthy.
4: What do you reckon then, Sam? Is this on the short list, the idea of listening to bacteria?
3: I mean, I'm creeped out by the idea that I have a town going on on my skin. <laughs> 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 and things crawling. I don't... Mm-hmm. Mm, I feel like I still don't know how we communicate with them.
4: Well, you're, you're actually working on this, aren't you? You're, you're working on talking to bacteria to a degree or understanding, uh, understanding the messages to sure. this extent. Sure,
1: yeah. We want, like, we want to be able to use the bacteria to put them in medicines, as I was saying. So we need to be able to understand how they behave and how they interact with humans because obviously you'd want to make a medicine that's going to make people sick. Mm. Um, so we're working I mean, on when it. when you put it like that, sounds like
3: a good thing. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, I don't like the idea of... I don't know if it's in my shortlist. Am oh, I being quite harsh? I'm get, sorry. I'm
4: going to give you another chance this to try and convince you see. So, like, what... Because how, how loud is it going to be? Just I'm asking in terms of how many bacteria are
1: living on us? Oh, um, there are vastly more uh, bacteria living on you and in you than there are hum- cells in your human body.
4: So we are mostly bacteria. We are
1: mostly microbes, yes.
4: So what if they just start talking to each other and not us? Oh, but they
1: do talk to each other all the time. I'm going to feel left out.
2: Real noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary.
4: <laughs> you see, this is the yeah. reason why
0: I'm they're going to have to nominate like spokes, spokes bacteria. A spokes bacteria? Yeah. Yes. Do you know <laughs> what? Just one that represents all of the different mm. bacteria? Oh, the right, like, I, your that. Uh, I like your idea. Currently, I'd elect
4: the spokes bacteria over the humans we have oh. in some cases, so,
3: so why not? Well, yeah, we'd have to oversee the elections.
4: <laughs> yeah,
0: Don't
3: want another situation. <laughs> <laughs> Don't want
4: to tramp So it's it's not going on You mean oh.
0: the the back, the, uh, the spokes bacteria that tries to check out all the out all the dog microbiota because you know they're over here taking over our local our local resources.
4: <laughs> you could well believe that though. Yeah, actually, yeah. Like, there's, bound yeah. be, there's bound to be there's to be orange bacteria some script. Um. Anyway, look, it's not on the shortlist, is it? no sorry Anne sorry okay
0: Andy you're up do you think you can beat that I don't know maybe um, so Sam you said before about the piece of bread uh, with, you the kind mold. Of going with the mould with mould and you're not sure it's right and you can't. like
3: just... that's an insight into my life that everyone didn't know. <laughs> right,
0: everyone does it I've been doing it with milk at the moment as well that kind of little is it right is it not right I don't know I'm going to put it in my cup of tea oh it's gone to bits and everything what, what can I do So what I'm thinking is a system that allows us to sample a particular environment and get an idea about what's happening there. And the best way I can think of doing it is on the tip of your finger, you have a little mini DNA sequencer. So you can tap whatever it is. It goes off, reads in the DNA, does some... uh, I'm going to... Like, wish away quite a few bits of uh, science here and uh, lab prep and sample preparation and all that kind of thing. But basically, sequence what's there, uh, send it up into the cloud, because everyone knows that the cloud is the best place to put this kind of data. uh, Process it, figure out what's actually there, and report it back to you and say, okay, this particular thing is in that sample, so, you know, maybe you don't want to eat it, or maybe you do want to eat it. So, a a finger sample?
4: Can I summarize it as that? Your finger (laughs) DNA sequencer.
0: It's like a fancy
3: science Facebook poke.
1: (laughs) (laughs) No one used to poke people
3: on Facebook. (laughs) And you could poke them and then see if they were currently about to break up with your ex or.
0: Well, see, now this is one of the applications (laughs) that you could go with it. So, I'm thinking Jerry McKyle. Okay. All of that kind of. uh, Parental DNA test, are you my dad? Are you not my dad? Oh, Basically wow. it turns into a game of TIG, of them running around the stage trying to touch each other to see whether they can actually sample the DNA and then it turns out into a fight. So the only two options and that is either Jeremy Carl would put over the Benny Hill music over the top. Yeah. And that just becomes <laughs> awesome. Um, or uh, Jeremy Carl gets cancelled. I, I think it's a win-win, to be honest. <laughs>
3: but so so you could you could tell if someone was related to you by Poking them. I definitely well, could come up with could,
0: another tapping you could potentially them. Potentially sequence someone taking a sample. Yeah. Process the DNA, look for markers within that DNA that would actually suggest whether someone is related or not. So effectively it shortcuts the entire Jeremy Carl kind of we took a swab mm. from this person, we sent it off we put it through some genotyping, and we found out that they share so many parts mm. of the genome and therefore you have a chance of being related to each other.
4: I, d- I don't know why, because like, whenever you explained uh, your idea to me earlier a little bit, you, I, I didn't see how we went down the angle of this being just human relations, because I know one place that would be interesting would be Iceland, because Iceland has got a very narrow population, being a tiny island which was seeded by people from Denmark and Norway. Yeah. And I know that they have a version of Tinder which they call the incest spoiler. And it's effectively. It's, 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 it's because they don't have surnames in the same way. So their names come from their, their person's father, like, uh, like Anderson um, is the son of Ander, that kind of thing.
0: Um, so, so, yeah, they, they have to, whenever they meet up with someone, they kind of swap the details on the app, don't they? And yeah. Then, and then that kind of says whether. You're okay to go, or, oh, oh dear god, no, 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 never, never, ever. Oh my you...
4: god. It must be an awkward conversation of, hi, lovely to meet you. Are you my cousin? <laughs> <laughs> but all the same, what you're effectively suggesting it's is that one you, It's worse, it's worse when
0: you say, though, like, are you my cousin? Sorry, I'm just going to get out my phone for a second. Right? <laughs> and you're not calling your mum or anything. You're just kind of going, tapping.
3: But also you're saying, I'd like to date you. Are you my cousin? So then if they That's are your cousin... True. It's really bad. So that gets
0: into other kind of layers of social... So, so
3: this would help with telling whether people are related to you, but also telling whether, like, bread is mouldy so or milk's gone so off. So, yeah,
0: so what we can do is... Um, if you that's sample, the bit I'm interested in. Yeah. So if you sample a region, there's this process that we have called metagenomics, and the idea of metagenomics is that you take a sample and try and figure out what is the composition, what the genomic composition is of that sample. So you could imagine that it's taking a sample from soil and seeing what microbes are in the soil. Uh, there was uh, two projects that involved sailing around the world, various locations, and sampling uh, the plankton in the area, seeing what the sea life was like as well. I mean, there must be one, the only few research grants were on the list of consumables was a massive yacht. <laughs> which is just great. Uh, but the idea is that um, once, you, once you take the sample, you sequence, you have to then reassemble the genomes together. So you've got to imagine that it's like you've got a smoothie of genomes and you have no idea how these things are all put together. So Mm -hmm. you have to reassemble. Uh, Once you reassemble this, put it in order, you then try and predict what genes are there and uh, you try and identify what's actually in the region, what's actually there. So if you've already seen something before, then you can say, yeah, um, we've seen it already. So, it's either safe to go or it's not safe to go.
4: I'm not trying to make you team up, but surely this would be useful for your work, Anne.
1: Sure, we use metagenomics all the time. I do have a question for you, though. Mm. Um, so, if you were sampling your food, right, and you uh, use your fingertip DNA sequencer and you find out, oh, there's something in my food, how do you know if it's alive or dead?
0: Oh, well, if. the can, DNA if would be can, there, right? If we can talk to them, we can just ask them. Ah, uh,
1: right? but yeah, because it it's in your food. Good <laughs> point. Um, no, but yeah, really, I don't know, no. Because, uh, you know, don't... there's going to be microbes in your food for sure. Yeah. Like in yogurt, for example. So if you sequence a yogurt, you're going to get sequences of mm, bacteria, yeah. for example. Um, so how would Maybe? you know if it's threatening or non threatening? And Maybe. if it's dead, it's presumably non threatening. Yeah.
0: Maybe it's a case of either the levels of bacteria that are there, so the uh-huh. amount sequence as well. Uh-huh. Maybe that actually has an influence on it. Okay. The hopefully it is. And there's DNA decay, though, as well, isn't there? So you can actually look at how far the DNA is actually decayed in that and kind of get an idea of how... This has got forensic, hasn't it? Well, we've got a a CI... um, What is it? I have
4: have to say, I feel (laughs) slightly biased towards this because currently, you're talking about a sniff test for milk, okay? Mm. And I'm currently in a position of having a young child where I open up the fridge and my first test is, is this from a cow or is this from my wife? (laughs) And I don't know why... Actually, whenever I think about it, it makes me want to go vegan because I don't know why the cow is preferable, actually. Like, which which is... actually weirder.
3: We they do this. breast milk ice cream.
0: When you really? say they. Yeah, it so this is what g- I'm
3: bringing to the table guys.
0: <laughs> yeah, it was called baby gaga. People.
3: Is what? it? Yeah, That's absolutely. great.
0: I, absolutely it was That's called great. baby gaga. Did you try it? Um, no. <laughs> no. <not laughs>
3: Apparently it's very creamy.
4: By a whooping audience who'd be willing to give this a go? What? Okay that Why? deathly silence. <laughs> no, wait wait
3: wait. wait. <laughs> taste it or making ice cream out of their own breast milk are two different things.
4: Well, earlier we had a news story about making skin cream out of our own microbes. Why is this any different, any wetter or any worse? It's probably the most ethical ice cream you could ever make. Think like that. And don't think about making your own black pudding. That's just wrong. Is this on the shortlist? What do you think? Yes! I really like it. Andy's fancy Someone cheered. That was me. That was me. Um, finger sequence, shall we call it that? A yeah, finger, finger sequence. sequencer. Giving them like the a... finger. Let's call it that. <laughs> oh,
0: that's a perfect <exactly> headline. <laughs> finger sequence. Give them the finger.
4: finger. Yeah. <laughs> no? Yeah. So I don't know, know where to sorry. go with this. This is, this is, um, audience, please rescue us from this idea. I'm sure you can do better. We're going to turn it over to you. If you've got any ideas, get your hand, stick it high in the air. Becky's waiting here with a microphone. Okay. Sir, what's your name and what is your idea?
2: Uh, my name is Abrar. Okay, this might be a strange one. It's not technological or physiological, uh, but m- more sociological. I'd like to see a truly egalitarian society. How are you going to make that in terms of our? I know that uh, depends on changing the mindset of the of the entire society. Uh, so it's we seem mindset. to be reverting back into hierarchical structures, and democracy isn't really providing us what we want. So I think we need to. A new state of evolution or sociological evolution to kind of evolve.
4: Well, bearing in mind that, sure enough, our behavior is coded by our genes, um, what do you guys think? Can we. Can, can I just check? You don't want to be the leader. You're not looking for.
2: <laughs> <laughs> is this
4: the start of the coup? Perhaps. And could you, could you repeat your name for me again so that we're.
2: Abrar. A B R A R.
4: APA. A, I'm just so I can report you. That's all. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, what do you reckon, guys? What? Hmm. Specifically,
3: what do you want to achieve?
4: Yeah. What's so what, What's so broken it's about quite society broad. I, as
2: well? I so, think of it this way: a truly equal society where everyone has the same equal opportunities to succeed or not succeed. Uh, where you can you basically have to em, em, eliminate poverty, eliminate famine, eliminate war, eliminate disease. And that's how you can actually only do it when everyone in society is actually equal, treated equal, and yeah. thinks everyone else is equal. And that is not actually the case, regardless of what society we live in.
4: Yes. Yeah, so in a way you're not asking for very much, but you're also asking for the biggest thing in the world. Because yeah. we haven't, we haven't <coughs> solved that yet. Um, we need some mechanisms, though. As we're doing yeah. well, this, as us show, about evolution. How are we going to make us equal? I'm looking at experts
0: here. We, I think we've got to start thinking about other people, haven't we? So every single action you take has to make you think. Well, what's the consequence on someone else? Mm-hmm. So perhaps we need some kind of telepathic link or something like that that start that we oh, develop okay. to actually make us start thinking together. So you like, like feel
3: other people's pain yeah. if you create pain, or like men can feel mansplaining <laughs> and the effect that it has and stuff like
4: that. Ambar, could you tell us what mansplaining is, please? <laughs> Sorry, no, that was, that was a very bad joke. Forgive me. Um, you know, how, how do you think this works as a mechanism? Then So this idea, you're basically inflicting our pain on everybody else. Is that a good start?
2: Uh, I think, like, like you say, there's a, there's a lot of work behind it. Uh, yeah. It basically involves changing how we think, how we act, how we see other people. Uh, It basically means uh, how we educate others, but essentially it's breaking down the uh, socio-economical barriers that currently uh, constrain us. So how are you seeing uh, people in power currently? Only people who are from rich societies or kind of from affluent uh, backgrounds generally come into power. Mm. And how do you actually change that? It's changing the whole way of how people think, how they act. So it's not a, simple, but press a button, it will happen. It's basically changing the mindset of everyone and everyone has to work towards it. Okay. So it is what you say, another state of evolution.
4: I, th- I think I might have an answer here for you because one of the things again that makes humans so special and so different when we look at our evolution compared to many of the, the other apes is the capacity for empathy and the theory of mind and the understanding. Uh, but it also seems that a great deal of this theory of mind of understanding how other people think, evolved specifically for deceit. Um, it's one of the ways you test animals of being smart in the wild, as you see if they're lying or not. So we might have a double-edged sword here, that an understa- a greater understanding of each other might mean that we actually end up having better manipulation. Are you willing to give these people those tools? Understanding you think will lead to something good.
2: Well, yeah, that's what it means. I mean, do we have the capacity to root out or uh, eliminate deceit? But then again, truly successful people are psychopaths, aren't they?
4: Yeah. (laughs) So we've had death (laughs) and (laughs) psychopaths. (laughs) (laughs) Did you enjoy going to the podcast recording tonight? Yes, I learned a lot about the people who are sitting around me and I laughed fairly. (laughs) This is is terrifying. Sam, what do you think? Oh, gosh.
3: Well, I think in the essence is an amazing thing. If we could, everyone could be equal. I don't know if we've got the mechanism for it. I quite like the feeling what other people feel so that then you judge people based on, because you could feel what they feel and feel what they experience much more.
4: Yeah.
3: I think the telepathic thing could be cool.
4: So we need a a mechanism for heightened empathy in order to do this. I suppose, is it on the short list or not? Yes oh right is that because you'd sound like an awful person yeah way. <laughs> oh, <right. laughs> having said at the start I want something that benefits me I don't think <laughs> okay no, this, it's uh,
3: I think this would benefit me and everyone so yeah and also I'd love to be telepathic so
4: cool all right well done give a big round of applause thank you very much I've got a final idea this time coming from Mother Nature herself this is a wonderful creature that I think we can steal from. Uh, it's a kind of sea slug called the emerald sea slug. Could you describe it to your audience at home, please, uh, Sam?
3: It looks like a leaf.
4: I was hoping with a
3: ram's that. head.
4: Because basically, this is uh, a little—it's a solar-powered sea slug. Um, it has a wonderful capability of eating vegetation, nicking its chloroplasts—the bits which they use to photosynthesize nicking the DNA that you can use to manufacture chlorophyll, so pretty much it can go to the salad bar and never have to eat again for the rest of its life. This is one of the few animals out there which can properly photosynthesize. Um, yeah, which I think would be pretty cool. Do away with of all this eating malarkey. What do you think, so? I think it's pretty. <laughs> <laughs> do you know, actually, one of my favourite facts about these, I looked up, their, their Latin name is Elysia uh, chlorotica, which I think sounds a bit like some kind of raunchy sea slug <laughs> yeah you know, a mills in the bin or something or you know, maybe Fifty Shades of Green something um, yeah, what about this? So food we go, we go have one salad and then we never have to eat ever again in our life but we just it... have to sunbathe which uh, granted I... in Britain doesn't help
3: if I was only going to have one meal in my whole life I wouldn't want it to be salad
4: <laughs> that is fair enough I think that is an list. <laughs> okay, in that case, we've got it down to only two ideas for you to choose from. It is Euler Andy's idea of a finger fancy DNA sampler, so you never have to sniff that milk ever again. You just have to stick your finger in it. I hadn't thought about
0: that bit. <laughs> if it's that bad, you're not going to stick your finger in it.
4: Fair enough. But somebody else is going to drink that milk after you. That's a different. <laughs> you should have <laughs> <to straight down laughs> the sink at that point. Surely.
1: But what yeah. if it's okay and you've stuck your finger in it?
0: Oh.
4: We hadn't thought of this at oh. an earlier point.
3: I think it's fine. You stick your finger in most things.
0: <laughs> Actually, if you're if you really you questioning, it's, only, it's going to be like there for only a couple of days or so, isn't it? Anyway, so your finger, or a day or so, your finger's not going to be...
3: Well, you can not put, not put it out. on the end of your toe.
0: Because uh, you know
3: if you see something weird on the floor, you wouldn't put your finger on it, but you would nudge it with your toe. Yeah. <laughs> Is this personal
4: experience? <laughs> yes, yes, it is.
3: What was the last? I have cats, and they bring in wind things.
4: Ah, uh, yeah, fair enough. might many um, dead birds. Well, it's either that or a, a vague, shall we say, but a, still a mechanism saying that we should have equality now. So it's a, I can't believe I'm Something weighing these two do. things up. <laughs> equality for everyone, but by a mechanism that we have not worked out, or a DNA sequencer that we've thought way too much about. <laughs>
3: Well, a telepathy is the mechanism, isn't it?
4: No. <laughs> <laughs> we kind of fought over that. We haven't got a mechanism for telepathy either. Come on, Sam, you've got to decide. Time is ticking. Oh, I have
3: to decide. Yeah, that's, that's why you're here. Oh. Um, it's it's got to be giving it a finger.
4: <laughs> <laughs> Andy, why how do you feel? Oh. I feel fantastic. <laughs> I'm, off, I'm just going to pattern the name of it now. <laughs> Everybody put your fingers in the air and rejoice. Um, So we're gonna take that idea and try and use it to remix our species. Before we go, everybody, I want you to give a huge round of applause to our panel. We've had Sam Baines, we've had Anne Neville, we've had Andy Yates, and we've had the wonderful audience here at the Welcome Genome Campus. That was Level Up Human, hosted by Simon Watt, produced by Rachel Wheelie, and supported by the Wellcome Trust. This episode was created with the help of the Wellcome Genome Campus, where they tackle some of the most difficult challenges facing genome science. For more information, go to leveluphuman.com.